Uh, my name is Caleb. I'm one of the campus pastors here at New Philly. Uh, and I haven't preached in a while. And my sermon is going to go, I mean, it's not going to go as long as Pastor Christian's. <laughs> I hope not. But it, I have seven pages of notes. And so I usually have about five. And so I'm going to try to just limit my introduction. I haven't preached in a while. It's been about two months. There's Women's Ministry Month where only women got to preach. Praise the Lord. And after that, PC did his uh, series. And so this is the first time I've preached since before June. So it's been a while. Some of you guys have never heard me preach. And some of you guys have never been offended by me. That's good. You might get offended by me today. But it's a good thing. Today, I am going to start. I have I preached this week and next week. And the Lord put uh, a word upon my heart. And the, the word is mine. Mine. And then I think... I'm not sure yet, but I think God, I'm going to split this up into two sermons, and it's going to be a two-part series on the mind. Everybody say mind. Mind. Say mind grace. Mind grace. You guys don't get that joke, right? <laughs> um, so my, your mind is very important. Okay. Uh, many of you guys know, like a lot of doctors and scientists believe that your mind is actually just a bunch of electrical pulses and synapses inside this gray matter that you call your brain. And once those electrical pulses stop, your mind ceases to exist. Okay, that's what scientists, uh, atheists, doctors, these people believe that. That our mind is finite. That at one point when your brain stops working, your mind ceases to exist. Uh, we as Christians, we know differently, Okay. Our, 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 we're made of a body, soul, and spirit. Okay, our soul consists of the mind, okay, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And because our soul is eternal, okay, our mind is eternal. You guys have to understand that your mind, your mind, like the experiences that you're having and the, and the, the thoughts that you're having is going to exist for eternity. You guys know that. It will exist for eternity. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed. Okay, there is a potential for us to be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, it's not saying, it's not telling us to stop doing what the world does. Okay, we're, because when you just try to stop doing what the world does, you're just addressing your body. Okay? You're, you're addressing your flesh. But he says, by testing, like, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Because that's actually the place in which you have that, like, to be able to rule yourself, your, your person, the, who you are. You have, the, you have the power to rule yourself through your mind. And he's saying, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay? Our minds need to be renewed so that we understand the will of God. First yeah. Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now we see in a mirror, this is the love chapter. You guys talk about, remember the love, like love is patient, love is kind. Well, near the end it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, like it's very poetic. We see in a mirror now, like a dim mirror, that, like you can't really see everything. But then we will see face to face when perfection comes. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Right? This is our minds right now. Okay, We know the Lord, we know God in part. You guys understand? We know our mind knows God in part, but then he's saying, when perfection comes, we will know fully. Okay? And last night, yeah, yesterday in the afternoon, Mina was sleeping, Ethan was sleeping, and I got this like revelation from the Lord about our minds. 
And I was like, there's this, there's our mind before salvation, our mind after salvation, and our perfected mind. And I was trying to do all these things, and I was like, in my living room, like, like, I only have two hands. And I realized, okay, I'm, I'm gonna make a, a, I'm gonna make a PowerPoint to better explain the, like this, what I got. And so, if you could put that up, this is your mind, all right? This is your mind in Korea, because I don't know why eggs are brown in Korea. This is your mind on drugs. And then I just got hungry. Uh, that was a joke. This is not a joke. But the actual thing that I wanted to really get at was this diagram. And then the God gave me a thing about, about diamonds. Okay, he gave me the word, diamonds. Okay, pre-salvation. This is our brain. We're coal. You guys know that when coal, right, coal used to be, be a coal, bunch of coal back in the days, right? But when coal is pressurized, it becomes a diamond. Okay, but before it, right now this is a diamond, okay, and so when pre-salvation, recall, after salvation, now we're a diamond, but we're a diamond that looks like doo-doo, okay? It looks really, it, really, it just doesn't look that great, it looks like a piece of rock, you can't really tell. We're a diamond in the rough, that's what we are right now. Our minds right now are, are like a diamond in the rough. You're, the mind that you have, okay, although it's better than it was before salvation, because there's a renewing that happens at salvation. Yeah. We, we, God, when Christ enters us, we have an understanding of God. Yeah. Right? We, we didn't even know God until He led us to know Him. Right. Now that we know Him, now our minds are renewed to a point. We're at this stage, okay? And, you know, and, and then when eternity comes, when we go to eternity, okay, eternity has always been and always will be, there is an eternal mind right now that we have. It's a potential Okay, you guys understand that. And that's our potential. It's a diamond. It's perfect. Okay, when I bought Mina a diamond engagement ring. It's not perfect. It's got flaws. And that's why it wasn't that expensive. <laughs> I'm just kidding, honey. Paid a lot of money for that. But there's diamonds that are perfect. You look at it in a microscope, in a gemstone, there's no lines. There's perfect clarity. That's our minds right there. Okay? And what it is, when we renew our minds, it's not that we start to become like this. What happens is, the potential of our eternal minds, okay, starts to affect our minds now. And so now we can live like we are in eternity on this earth. The characteristics of a perfected mind is able to adapt to our situations now so that now we can live a little bit like we would do in heaven. You guys understand, our minds renewing is not for the purpose of one day going to eternity. That's going to happen in an instant. Okay, when we're, when we're glorified, when, we're, when, we're, when God, Jesus comes back and, we, and we, we find ourselves in eternity, that's going to happen. Our minds are going to just be renewed because we're going to know God fully. We're going to see Him face to face. Once we know God fully, right, it's not that all sin is going to just vanish away. There's, our minds are going to be perfected. And it perfects from the fact that we know God perfectly. And it's not because of us, but it's because of who He is. Once we know Him perfectly, our minds, we're going to be perfected. You guys understand? But the point of us renewing our mind is not so that we can one day be in eternity and, and have our minds renewed. It's so that the eternal mind can now affect our lives here on this earth. It can transform us. It can help us live the way that we would live in heaven. And this is a revelation I got, and I was doing all of these things. But this has kind of helped you see it. Our minds are very important. I'm trying to get at the fact that the mind that you possess, there's only one mind like that in the world. 
in the beginning of history, before God created, there's no other mind like yours. That is, it's, a, it's, it's your mind. Okay? When I had Ethan, right, you guys know about sex, birds and the bees, right? And then there's, you know, how a man's, you know, goes into a woman's, and then it, there's like a lot of men, the, the man things that go, a lot of them, but there's only one that went and got the egg and became Ethan. And God preordained and destined that before He created the earth. And that's how precious His mind is. And that's how God sees it. You know what I mean? God sees His mind. Like, this is, this is Ethan's mind. I made this mind, and there's nothing like it. How precious it is to me. Our minds are very important. Everybody, say to your neighbors, your mind is a terrible thing to waste. Okay, your mind. The terrible thing to waste. It is a living thing. Do you guys understand? Your mind is a living thing. And if left unchecked, it can start resorting back to his old ways. Okay? You don't have this like, bam, I'm renewed. Oh, I'm, I'm renewed. My mind's renewed. No. It's a process that you go on. And if, you, if you're not like, if you're not careful and if you're not on guard against the works of the enemy, your mind can start going backwards. Yeah. I've had a ton of stories of people that were just filled with the Spirit of God, had their mind on straight. We're going, you know, doing everything that they can for the Lord. And then you see them a couple of years later and they're like, they lost their faith. They don't, they don't even know. They don't even go to church. They don't read the Bible. What's going on? Their mind, they, they weren't vigilant about their minds. They weren't vigilant about their minds. And so today I'm going to start this series. And, the, and one of the aspects of the mind that I want to really talk about today is strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. A stronghold is defined in the Greek as, it's, it, it, you pronounce it, ahuroma, uh, uh, and it means a castle, a stronghold, a fortress, place of fastness. Okay. A second definition is anything on which one relies. So there are good strongholds, there's positive strongholds in our lives. When the Lord delivered David from his enemies and from Saul, King Saul, God, he was crazy Saul. You know, you guys read the Bible. You guys read Second Samuel. And there's crazy Saul. He wanted to kill David. He's like, David, come sit by my, play me your, play me your, your, your harp. And it sounds so good. Ha ah, ha, I'm going to kill you. He chuck a spear at him and try to kill him. Saul was crazy. And this, and David's running from Saul. He has all these enemies. He's running and going through and hiding in the wilderness, sleeping in caves, doing all this, this thing to get away and protect and, 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 and survive. And when God delivers him from his enemy, David writes this song and says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. Okay, that's, he's, he, 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 he considers the Lord his stronghold. No matter who was coming after him, he's like, you know, you are my stronghold. I will remain in you. It's a positive stronghold. Psalms 144, David talks about it again. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer. In the book of Nahum, some of you guys are saying, what is Nahum? Yeah, Nahum is a book. Is it one of the minor prophets. In Nahum 1.7, it says, Who can stand before his indignation? He's talking about the destruction of Nineveh. Okay, he's foretelling the destruction of the city, this wicked city. And he's like, who can stand before the indignation? His indignation, who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken in pieces by him. But then he stops and says, the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. 
He knows those who take refuge in Him. He knows those who take refuge in Him. That's a powerful statement right there. He knows. When we take refuge in our God, in our God he's the, He knows when we take refuge in Him. And so there's a positive stronghold. There's, you guys, the Lord needs to be your stronghold. However, there's a lot of negative strongholds in our lives. Okay, there's not, I'm here not to preach about the positive strongholds, but I'm going to preach about the negative strongholds. And, it, and Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> Verses 3 to 6. All right, I'm going to read it in the ESV. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy every argument, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. When we read this, you know, a lot of us, we think about strongholds or negative strongholds as sin. Can you guys lower the AC a little bit? It's kind of hot up here. A lot of people, they consider negative strongholds, strongholds in our lives as sin. Okay? Things that we do, like lust, looking at pornography, getting drunk, getting angry, yelling and cursing. But Paul is telling us that the war is not against the flesh. It's not according to the flesh. Because if it was, I'm going to be straight up with you. Okay? Some of you guys that are struggling with like lust and masturbation, you guys should cut off your hand. You guys are saying, like, what? But in Mark 9, Jesus himself says, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Some of you guys are getting freaked out right now. But Jesus, what Jesus is talking about and what Paul is talking about here isn't about you know, cutting off our limbs. But he's trying to make a point, and it's the point that's saying that the, the war, our war, our battle, okay, the weapons that we are equipped with and the battle that we have is not against the flesh, but it's in the mind. It's in the mind. Jesus is telling everyone that even when he says this, he's not saying, all right, if, you, if your hand causes, he's not literally saying, go chop off your hand. But he's saying, it's in the mind. You have to fight. You have to fight this battle in the mind. The war is not according to the flesh. Because our flesh is already dead. Galatians 5.24 And those who belong to Christ, Jesus has crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And some of you are like, well, why does my flesh keep rising up? Okay, Why does it keep coming back alive? And like Paul says, it's because it, the battle is not in the flesh, it's in the mind. Let's look at this, this verse again. Okay, follow me. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy, destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. What are arguments? Arguments are things concerning your mind and how you think. Every lofty opinion. Once again, things in your mind and how you think. Raised against the knowledge of God. And once again, things in your mind and how you think. And take every thought captive. To obey Christ. The battle is not in your flesh. It's with your mind. And a lot of times we wage war on our flesh without doing anything about our minds. 
We're, we're doing nothing about our minds. We're just trying to crucify our flesh. Kill our flesh. Our flesh needs to die. But in our mind, not, it's not getting renewed. Our minds are remaining the same. And strongholds are not, are not sin necessarily. But if you think about a stronghold, it's an area of deception in your mind that is blocking you from fully receiving the knowledge of truth from Christ Jesus. There's something in your mind that's blocking you from fully receiving what Christ has for you. The words and the truth that He has for you, there's a stronghold in your mind and it's blocking that. And that, that stronghold is actually trying to exert itself above the Word of God and the knowledge of God. And this can ultimately lead you to sin. Like I said, our minds are not perfect. It's better than it was before salvation, but it's nowhere near what it will be when perfection comes. And strongholds are not the sin, but it's the lie that's causing your mind to think and to follow the lie into sin. You guys have to understand, a stronghold isn't a sin. You guys don't have like the sin in your mind, but it's, it's something that's going to lie to you and cause you to follow that lie to a place of sin. As a Christian, what happened to our sins? What happened? Todd Beatty, what happened to our sins? Well, yeah. It's forgiven. It's gone. It's wiped clean. And I believe that. We all believe that. It's gone. Because Christ's blood atones for all. Amen? Everyone. Every sin in my past, every sin that I'm committing now, and even the sin that I will, I will commit in the future, has been wiped clean by the blood of Christ. Well, why do I keep sinning? Why do I keep walking in this foolishness? It's not sin in you. It's strongholds in your mind. You got you to understand this. There, there's this. The enemy will try and do everything he can to establish these strongholds in your mind. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound on this a little more. But that stronghold, however small it is, if left like to, to just do whatever it wants, it's going to start creating things in your mind that's going to go against the Word of God. And I want to let you know something, okay? you got to hear me out. The stronghold is not the devil himself. You don't have Satan in your mind or a demon camped out in your mind in this fortified bunker telling you what to do. Okay? It's not like, Todd, go hit Rosie. (laughs) It's like, like you hear this voice and you're like, oh, i I got to go hit Rosie. Beat her up. He doesn't have the he doesn't have power like that. He doesn't have authority like that. You guys understand. Satan doesn't have that kind of authority. Devil can't enter you, can't possess your soul. He can't. You're bought with the the blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to him. Satan doesn't have that jurisdiction. A jurisdiction is a judicial word saying authority over something. Okay, the police. The police have authority of a certain... Like, I can't be a cop in Torrance and go to like New York and try to be a cop. Alright? He doesn't have that authority. In the same way, Satan doesn't have authority over our minds. We, our minds belong to Christ. He doesn't... He can't possess your mind. He doesn't have that type of authority. And Satan can't make you sin. 
Because you have Christ in you, He doesn't have that authority. A lot of times, we give too much credit to the enemy. We give way too much credit to Satan. He can tempt you, but he can't control you. Now you sin, and a lot of people say, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't make you do anything. Because if we follow that logic, if the devil can make me do something, how scary is that? He can just one day willy-nilly, kill Todd baby. Kill Lydia. That's scary. Right? But no, the devil can't make you sin. He can't. He doesn't have that kind of authority. So let me shed some light into what a stronghold actually is. Okay? And to do so, let me give you another Greek definition of the word stronghold, ahuhroma. And the definition goes, of the arguments, okay, remember that arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. I'm going to read this again. Of an argument and reasoning by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. The devil okay, is constantly trying to assert his opinion and his suggestions. And, and through it, he, will, he wants to establish his will upon your life. His will upon this earth. His will upon the people of God. And he does it with the one tool that he's skilled at. Okay, everybody... You guys know who Satan is. He's the father of what? The father of lies. It's the one thing. He's an expert at lying. He's, he's, he's a liar. He, he, he's a precise liar. He lies so that the lie sounds like a truth. And people will, are willing to die for that truth. He is an expert liar. He's a father of lies. From the Garden of Eden to now, what he loves to use is he loves to assert his will upon people's lives through lies and suggestions. And although he has no authority or jurisdiction in our mind, okay, he has no jurisdiction in our mind, he's able to establish a stronghold in your mind, and it comes from the one thing that Satan wants you to do with his lie, and is to come into agreement with the lie. The word is agreement. Everybody say agreement. Okay? Agreement. When you come into agreement with a lie, you're actually giving him an authority. You're saying, all right, I come into agreement with you. Now there's, it's almost like a, like a I don't want to say the word contract, but it's like a, like a contract. It's like, all right, because I'm agreeing in this lie, you're gonna, I, I'm going to let you put this thing into my mind. Now I'm going to start thinking differently. The key word here is agreement. It's like a Trojan horse. You guys know about the Trojan horse, right? If I'm Satan, I don't have the authority to command his mind with my lies. But if I package this lie, if I package it really nicely in this attractive way, put a little ribbon on it, polish it, wrap it up really nicely, and I wait for a time of vulnerability. I wait for a time of vulnerability. I don't really have to do anything. That person is just going to take that lie and implant it into his mind by coming into agreement with it. But the crazy thing is, this is a crazy thing, you think that it's your idea. You think that it's from you. And that's why it has so much power. And that lie, if unchecked, will grow into a stronghold. A lie, a lie that, that is so loud, and yet so personal, because 
I brought it into my mind myself. I came into agreement with it. That that area of your mind opposes the very word of God itself. And it opposes the will of God for that area of your mind. He, he can't, like, he can't take hold of your mind. But he can take little parts of your mind. Little parts of your thinking. Little, little, little areas of your thinking. He's going to implant something and make you think differently. At first, it just seems like, like nothing. Well, yeah, I, mean, I can see that. But the more that it's left there and that lie continues to grow and continue to fester, it's going to become, you're going to start thinking differently. It is in this place where lies and satanic suggestions are accepted that the enemy can have influence in the area of our lives. And because these lies tend to start as mere ideas that we form, it's easy for the undiscerning to see them as their own, making the stronghold even more powerful and harder to identify. That's why sometimes when you're vulnerable, okay, you have to go to God. In the times when you feel vulnerable, what does the enemy want you to do? Isolate yourself. Stay home. Don't do anything. Listen to the cure. You know, I, that's what I did when I was in high school. Listen to like, you know, bad, like, like, you know, like, you know, like melancholy music and, and soak and be in this place. I have a pity party. You know what? That's the breeding ground for strongholds. Because at that moment, he's going to start just dropping lies everywhere. Here's a lie. Here's a lie. Here's a lie. And then because you're isolated, you don't have clarity for yourself. You, because it was, you know, the, when you're vulnerable, please don't make drastic decisions for your life. Alright? When you're vulnerable and you know that you're vulnerable, you know what? You go to God and then you go to a trusted leader or somebody that you can really talk to to have clarity for yourself. Because in that place of vulnerability, that's, that's, that, that's, his, that's his MO. He loves to attack you when you're vulnerable. He's going to start dropping lies everywhere. And then the moment that you take one of those lies and you, and you, you, you come into agreement with it, you, it, th- it doesn't say, seem like Satan. It just seems like you had a thought. Like, ding, oh, I have this idea. My wife hates me. Ding, I have this idea. My coworker thinks I'm, I'm a jerk. Ding, I have this idea. Like that girl, he, she rejected me. I would never get married. I, I should just go in and, and become a monk. You know, whatever it is. These, these ideas, these lies are, are implanted. It, it comes from you take, taking it and you come into agreement with it. That's why these are the, the schemes of the enemy. He, he loves to work in this way. He can tempt you. But why tempt you when he can implant something in you and it's going to make you think that for yourself? That's why you have to be discerning. We have to be aware of his scheme. 2 Corinthians 2, 11, So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober-minded. Remember, I want you guys to say, sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Right? You guys understand? His, his whole desire of existence is to kill, steal, and destroy. Okay, and you, you guys are the target. But I want you guys, don't let that scare you. Because he's already what? He's under our feet. Jesus has already defeated him. But what, what he does is lie. He's going to lie and say, I'm this. He's like, you know, like, I don't know if you guys ever, there's a cartoon, I forget what it was, but there's a little mouse and he uses his shadow to make himself look bigger. That's what Satan is. Satan's his little mouse. But he's like, wow, I'm Satan. 
I can destroy you. Ah! He's like, like waving, in it, but it's just a shadow. He uses lies to make himself more powerful. He's going to use his lie to assert his will upon your life. So we have to be on guard. That the lie you come into agreement with is not dealt with, it can turn into a thought pattern. When you have a lie, and you, you come into agreement with that lie, the more you can't kind of ponder that lie, it's actually going to start becoming a thought pattern. And that thought pattern will continue on and become a mindset. A stronghold is a mindset. And when you live with that mindset long enough, it becomes a value system, and then it becomes a belief system. You start to believe that this lie is the truth. The part of your mind that believes the enemy's thoughts, it's, it's a part of your mind that believes that the enemy's thoughts and lies are more credible than the Lord's. It's a part of your mind that believes no matter what the Lord says, it's going to say, you know what? That's not the truth. Because you've allowed the stronghold to remain in your mind. A lot of times we never notice or even know that it's there because A, it started out in our mind as an idea, activated by, by us through agreement, and B, it only affects a part of our mind, a certain area of our thinking, and it's hidden. Okay, strongholds are usually hidden. As you come to church and you worship the Lord, you don't, you don't, it's not this, this thing in your head that's like stronghold, stronghold. It's just hidden. Somewhere in your thinking, it lies dormant. But it's poisoning your life. And if the devil had his way, that stronghold in that area of your life will keep you in bondage until you disallow it to remain. And the longer a stronghold is allowed to remain, the harder it will be for you to confront it. The lie is so ingrained into your psyche that not only do you justify it, and not only do you defend it, but you eventually fight to hold on to it. That's, that's, the, that, that's the power of agreeing to a lie. The enemy schemes, although, although you know, they're actually very pretty effective. He, he is a master at what he does. And he, he does it without us... Sometimes without us even understanding. And that's why he's saying, be sober-minded. Be on guard. Be on guard with your mind. And although not all strongholds can lead you to sin, it can lead you to miss out on the perfect will of God for your life. That's pretty depressing. For you to miss out on the perfect will of God for your life. It can stunt your spiritual maturity. There's some people who's been with our church for years, years, reserve leader for years, and then you just never see them really growing, maturing. Actually, you see them going backwards. When you look at their lives, they're holding on to a stronghold that's affecting their spiritual growth. It can block blessings into your life. It can ultimately affect the way that we see God and the way that we see people. Let me give you an example of a man that has a stronghold in his life. Turn your, back, turn your Bibles to Matthew 19. I'm sure you guys have all read this before. 
And it's a story of the rich young man. So I'm calling the rich young ruler. I'll read it to you. And behold, a man came up to, to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbors as yourself. Then the young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, you look at this man, and he's actually trying to seek the Lord. He actually sees Christ face to face. He knows who Christ is. He, 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 under, he knows that he, he's not just a man. He's, he's more than that. And he has this desire to follow him. But when, when, when Jesus lays it out for him, he's like, you know, sell everything that you have, give to the poor and follow me. He goes away sad. And you got to understand, his possessions, what he had, were not his strongholds. It was his mindset that he couldn't live without his possession. Well, that was a stronghold. His possessions gave him value. It gave him worth. It was pride. It was, a, it was fear. It was greed. And the stronghold, this lie that he was living under, kept him from seeing Christ. Kept him from truly understanding who he was. Kept him from fully understanding and embracing his will for his life. When you have a stronghold like this rich young man, that certain area of your life, you feel sad. You do. When you live under a stronghold, that, that certain area, when you, when you fully understand, oh, this is a stronghold, I just, I, I, you know, like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to have to live with it. You just, I'm just going to deal with it. And, you, know. you let it remain. It, it makes you sad. You feel sad because you miss out on being in God's perfect will for that area of your life. Now, that I've shed some light on what a stronghold is, I want to tell you, and I want to get you to the part where we get into getting rid of them in our lives. But first, we have to address the issue of responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. Responsibility. Okay, the first key word was agreement. Second key word is responsibility. Because you weren't forced into this agreement with the lie of the stronghold. You, you made it willingly. Remember, our soul consists of our mind, will, and emotions. They are connected with each other. Okay, our mind, the way we think, our will, what we do with the way we think, you know, and, and our ability to do what we want, and our emotions all work together to make up our soul. And it's in this area that it's what helps. It's this area of our of our of what it, of who we are is what helps us to agree and to believe. And you're you're the only one that can make this agreement. When you come into an agreement with a lie, you're the only one that can make that agreement. Satan can't make you come into agreement with something, right? You are the only one that can make that agreement. And it being so, you are the only one that can choose to not agree. 
Let me say that again. Because you're the only one that can make this agreement, you're the only one that can choose to not agree. What I'm saying is, you have the responsibility to tear down your strongholds. Because a lot of times we often think that God, only God could tear down these strongholds. God, I have these strongholds, tear them down for me. And, and we just kind of stand before Him and, and say, God, tear down my strongholds. But actually, the responsibility of removing our strongholds are, not on, are on us. I'm not saying that God can't do it. And sometimes God does do it. God will just go and remove a stronghold from your life. He has a power to do so, but He doesn't. The responsibility is on us. More often than not, He leaves it up, uh, up to us to tear down our strongholds. And the reason is because of free will. Yeah. Everybody say free will. free will. Strongholds are in our mind, and He doesn't want to control our minds. That's why He gives us free will. He doesn't want to take away our free will. Basically, he doesn't want to control a bunch of robots. Because with free will, there can be, without free will, there can be no love. There's a, there's a writer by C.S. Lewis. Who knows C.S. Lewis? One of my favorite writers. I want to, I, 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 I want to see C.S. Lewis in heaven. I want to ask him a bunch of questions. C.S. Lewis, he, he was quoted as saying one time in one of his books, free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. Yeah. Without free will, there could be no love. So I'm married to Mina, and I'll bet you she would love... There's actually a side of her that would actually love if I was a robot. I come home, and she goes, wash the dishes? I go, I wash the dishes. <laughs> like, do the bottles? I will wash the bottles. You know, like, like, oh, let's have sex. These things. <laughs> like, like... She would love it because I just do what she tells me to do. Okay? But God doesn't want... But like in the end, there's no way for... If I was a robot, although, although she could love me, right, she could really... like. I know some of you guys have fallen... You guys have like really liked inanimate objects. Like, I love my car. You know, I, I mean, I love this and that. And she can actually, you know, probably like have like feelings for me, if I, even if I was a robot. There's no way for, the, for me to love because I'm a robot. There's no way for me to choose. God doesn't want to control our minds and take away our will. He wants us to think for ourselves. And then think, in thinking for ourselves, we choose God. And so the responsibility of tearing down these strongholds, which we helped create in our minds, the responsibility for that is on us. We can deduce this from the, the, the main passage that we wrote. For the weapons of our warfare are not... Of the flesh. He gives us weapons. Why? So that he can, he can take, tear these things down for us? No. He gives us weapons so that we can use it yeah. to tear down our strongholds. Yeah. It's, it's for us to use. Brothers and sisters, this is a very important thing that I'm trying to convey to you guys. Okay? I'm trying to bring a paradigm shift into your understanding of your mind. And the thing is, you have authority over your minds. A lot of you guys don't think that you do. Sometimes we think, oh, my mind's on autopilot. And I just think all these crazy things. I don't even know. But no, it says, God says, what does He give us? For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. He gives us a sound mind. And He gives us control over our minds. You guys have control and you guys have authority 
of your mind. The more that you come to the realization of that, and that becomes a reality, it's going to be more. It's going to be easier for you to start identifying and tearing down these strongholds in your mind. You guys have authority over your mind. God gives you the responsibility. He gives you the weapons because He knows you have the ability to tear down your strongholds. And it's not that He's going to. He's not going to be with you every step. He's going to be with you. He will encourage you. He will strengthen you. He will fill you up with your spirit. He will be there. He will, he will protect and do everything he can. But ultimately, the ability of tearing it down, it, it's on you. He's saying, you do it because I know you can do it. I've given you the ability to do it. You have control over your minds. That's the one thing that I didn't give myself. That's what God's saying. I, I, I You know, like, you, you're mine, but I don't, the, I choose, God chooses to give us free will. He chooses to not take that for himself because he loves us. He's saying, you know what, I gave you your mind. That's the one thing that I chose not to get, hold for myself. And since I gave it to you, I gave you free will. Now go and do this for yourself. Think for yourself. Take dominion over your mind. And in you taking dominion over your mind, turn your mind to me. That's love. That's love. Let me tell you, when you make the decision to truly tear down your stronghold, there is grace. There's immense grace. You guys have to understand that. You guys are not alone. He's with you. And not only that, there is an obligation for us to remove and tear down every stronghold. All strongholds in our lives. There's an obligation. I want, you, I want you guys, I'll read it for you guys. You don't have to turn there, but Numbers 33, verse 50, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you cross over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all of their figured stones and destroy all of their molten images and demolish all their high places. And you shall take possession of the land and live in it, for I have given the land to you to possess it. But, verse 55, move down a few verses. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall come to come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your sides, and they will trouble you in the land in which you live. And as I plan to do with them, so will I do to you. That's the heart of God. He wants nothing before us that will get in the way of our relationship with Him. He's saying, tear it all down. Come on, tear it all down. I want you to face me completely. We have an obligation to tear down all our strongholds. So how do we do it? How do we tear down these strongholds? What do we do? Number one, it starts with an encounter with God. You have to encounter God. Sometimes, for a lot of people, or some people, it's this powerful encounter. You go to a retreat or something, and you're like, Oh, Lord, and the Spirit of God is on, and they're shaking. 
they feel the presence of God on them. It's this amazing experience. And then they start, God starts to bring up all these things in their life. And, they, and then you just, because you're in that moment, you just start tearing them down. Sometimes it's in your secret place, in your hidden place with the Lord. Daily, every day encountering Him. Every day encountering Him. Every day encountering Him. But either way, you have to first encounter God. Because as you encounter God, your mind starts to abide by His mind. Remember, abide in me and I will abide in you. And it starts to bring these strongholds to the surface. We've got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only filled, but led by Him as well. You know, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, okay, took Him up on the, uh, on the thing, He's like, well, turn this stone into bread, you're fasting, you're hungry, why don't you eat? And he's like, oh, I takes him up to this tall place, he's like, well, throw yourself off, and then have the angels come and rescue you. And he takes him up to this high place, and says, all of this could be yours if you bow down to me. You know what Satan was trying to do? He was trying to establish a stronghold in Jesus. He was trying to establish a stronghold in Jesus. And you know what? He wasn't immune to temptation. It's not like Christ, he was fully man. So it's not like he couldn't be tempted. That's why we, it's called the temptation of Jesus. He was tempted. But what, what kept him from, from falling into the, the temptation? What happened right before that? He has his baptism. And at his baptism, he's baptized by the Holy Spirit. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he hears the voice of the Father saying, This is my son, whom I am proud of. He has this encounter with the Father. This is an amazing encounter where he's, he's, he's encouraged. He's like, he is like a hug from God saying, you know what? I'm with you. You're my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. Before he does anything, God, he has his encounter with God. That's what we need. We need to encounter God in that place. And as we encounter God, the strongholds are going to start surfacing in our life. We're going to start realizing these strongholds in our lives. And sometimes the only way that we will realize a stronghold is by the Holy Spirit's conviction. There's nothing that I... Sometimes I could talk to you till I'm blue in the face. I could see the stronghold in your life. And I'm like, you know what? Come on! There's a stronghold. Start tearing it down. Start, you know, like, think differently. Well, there's some, for some people, that stronghold is so strong that the only person that can bring that stronghold to the surface is the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why you need to encounter with God. The first step, you got to encounter God. you got to encounter God. Number two, identify the stronghold. Strongholds can take root from how we deal with past trauma and hurts, our experiences. But you got to understand, it's not our experience that is the stronghold. It's how we deal with those experiences that make us make the strongholds. It can come from our environment, our upbringing. If I had a father that told me every day that I was worthless, somewhere along the way, I'd probably develop a stronghold that said that I was worthless. It could be generational. My mother my father are both alcoholics. What chance do I have? But however it was established, if we want to deal with it, we must first identify it. You have to identify the stronghold. You've got to look for things like fears. Where you start thinking in some, in some way and it just brings fear into your heart. Have you guys ever had that? 
where you just think about something and you just feel anxious. And you have this fear. It could be a stronghold. You feel guilty. You have pride, jealousy, offense. A key thing of, 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 of a stronghold is when you have offense. When you're just talking to somebody and all of a sudden you feel mad offended. You don't even know why. This, this person offends me. Because whatever that person is trying to, to do is starting to oppose a stronghold in your life. But however, whatever the stronghold is, you have to first identify these patterns. Like, like guilt, confusion, confusion. You have no clarity for yourself. Deviousness, you have like spite. All of these things are, are key identifiers of a stronghold in your life. If you're struggling with these things, you have to start. Remember what Paul said. Sober judgment. You have to start judging yourself soberly. It's like, man. Like, 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 what, 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 why do I have this? Why do I feel this way? Lord, show me. And you start taking that, that into a prayer. But you have to really take like that dominion over your mind and of, of your will and start saying, you know what? This is not right. You know, I had a coworker that I remember when we started working together and this person, I just found myself just being really annoyed by her and, or whatever. <laughs> I work with Anastasia. So I don't, not, not, not talking about you. Uh, maybe. Uh, but I just started really getting annoyed with this person. And I was like, and like, I just like, like whatever they did just, just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I remember, I remember like, I, I didn't know why. And so I just, I just like kind of really thought about it. And I remember the first time that we met, that person didn't recognize who I was. That person didn't recognize that I was a head teacher. I was a manager. And then just like treated me like some other worker. Like, can you just go do this for me? And I remember that one moment brought a lie into my head. And it's like, this person is disrespectful to you. This person, and it, and it was pride. It was my pride. I allowed it to go there because, and all of a sudden, it affects the way I deal with, this, talk to this person, how I relate to this person. But I remember when I, the minute that I realized that, I, I just had to, you know, like it's a small stronghold, right? I just thought, like, I, the moment I realized it, it broke off of me. I was able to break it off, and then the way that I thought about this person, the way I interacted, radically changed. Okay, sometimes a stronghold is, is small, it's not that powerful. You can just by you identifying it is going to help you. To just break it off of yourself. I had another stronghold. Losing stuff. I hated losing stuff. I remember I, I, Mina, I would lose something. And Mina was like, Why, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm looking for that thing. It's like 12 in the morning. It's like midnight. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? I find it. I got to find it. I remember, I don't know why, but I felt so anxious. I felt so like, I have to find this thing. Or else, like, part of me doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it wasn't even that it wasn't even that big it was like a camera case or something but I was like I had to find it and then the, the more I thought about it and then I, I remember one of the biggest fights that Mina and I had ever had came from her losing something that belonged to me and we had this huge fight and we're in the parking lot like ah, la, 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 la. she said I'm leaving I'm taking the baby and I was like what said, I'm going to go for a drive like no you're not going anywhere and I remember we're just arguing and, I, and what it came down to was she lost something of mine, but I, I, I don't know what it was, but I just like, felt like really something was wrong. I had all this anxiety from losing things. But then I really traced it back to when I was young. 
I remember, yeah, like, I, now I understand it now. And so I kind of, I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to think differently. This is a process. You have to start reversing this. But what happened when I was young was, I, my mom bought me this really nice leather jacket. It was like 400, some 500 bucks. I got me this really nice jacket. And then I went to, and then like a, a weekend later, she got it for me like on Thursday, but like on Sunday night, I went with my dad to Copeland Sports. It's like this sporting place. I left it there. came back. It was gone. I lost it. And I remember my mom telling me, man, you lose everything. I felt bad enough that I had lost this expensive. I love this. It's so nice. I look cool. <laughs> I felt bad enough. But on top of that, my mom said, man, you lose everything. I can't buy you anything nice. That's a lie that was implanted into my mind. Right? I can't lose stuff. I'm, I'm somebody that loses stuff. And it was, it was just starting to build this lie. And then right, not too long after that, I remember I, 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 I had a truck. A Toyota truck that I bought. It's a 1986 red Toyota truck. And uh, my dad used it. And then he gave it to me when I went to high school. And then I remember uh, I went to school one day and then it got stolen. Okay, somebody just took it from our school parking lot. And I remember called the police. I came home. I was like, Bob, somebody stole my car. And she goes, man, you lose everything. <laughs> She said it to me again. And once again, I feel bad enough. My car is gone. But she's like, oh, it says in Korea, like things like that. And this lie was embedded into my mind. And I remember like when I really, like, 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 why do I hate losing stuff? Why? Even the smallest thing, like maybe not a pen, but something that's kind of like I value. If I lose it, I have to find it at that moment. It consumes my mind. And then I realized there was a stronghold that I had. I was believing in this lie. That if I lose something, I lose something of value of myself. Something of myself is affected. Okay, so my, my, the, my value is affected when I lose something. That's a stronghold. And I'm, I'm learning to break that off myself. You know? These are the, this is how a stronghold could take root. Sometimes the strongholds have been in your life for so long, in your mindset for so long, that it associates itself, or it's associated with traumatic, a very traumatic event that affects your personality. It affects your personality to the point where you just think, oh, this is just the way I am. I know that, you know, it's not normal, but this is just me. I can't deal with it. I just have to live with myself. And then this, 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 like your abnormality becomes your normal. You know what I mean? You start living, like, like one of the pastors described it, is you start to live functionally dysfunctionally. You start to live and function in your dysfunction. And then now that abnormality becomes your normal. It's your new normal. And you got to start tracing that back. You got to start thinking about, why is that? Why do I feel this way? Why do I have these kind of bondages? Why do I have these sin patterns? Why do I think this way? You gotta start thinking of sober minded. A lot of times we know our dysfunction, we just can't bring ourselves to identify it. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And that's where you need that encounter with God. There's a girl, she gets molested at a young age. And because this, this it makes her feel worthless, it makes her feel shame. And as she grows up, she realizes, oh, I'm worthless. I, I have shame. I'm dirty. Nobody, nobody can love me. 
And then you go out and you start like satisfying that need, that desire in your heart by going sleeping with all these different men. And all the and you go out and you go to college and you, you become you know that, that girl that that every, every guy slept with. Every that girl, everybody knows. And then you have an encounter with God, and God redeems your life, saves you. And puts you on solid ground. And now you're living for the Lord. And you find, and, 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 and you're, you, know, you have a relationship with God. But then, every time you're around the guy, every time like some guy tries to give you any kind of affection, this fear takes over your life. It's, you're gripped by anxiety. And it just takes over you. It chokes it out of you. And you're like, oh. And, and you start building all of these walls, all these walls you build up to get to get get those guys away from you. But as she goes and continues with the Lord, and she finds herself in that place of intimacy, an encounter with God, God will start bringing that to the surface. God will start bringing that to the surface, and then one day God's going to challenge that girl. I need you to deal with the stronghold. I need you to deal with this thing in your life. You got to start thinking differently. You got to take captive your mind. You got to start taking every thought captive. You got to remove this from your life. But first, you have to identify it. You got to identify your strongholds. Before you can start tearing it down, you got to start identifying your stronghold. Number three, communicate your stronghold to God. Tell them about it. Bring it to light. Let it all out. This may sound easy, but a stronghold is naturally hidden in your mind, in your thinking. And although we confess with our lips that God knows all, we still in our mind try to hide it from Him. We, we say with our lips, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows me inside and out. And yet we still hide this area of our mind from Him. It's our stupidity. We feel like if God knew, He wouldn't understand. But He knows all already. And you telling Him isn't about Him knowing, but it's about you confessing. It's about you allowing God's light into the darkness of your mind. There's a healing that comes from letting things out. Sometimes a clear sign of a stronghold is shame. And we feel like if God knew, He wouldn't understand. He would be disgusted by what I feel. He would be disgusted by the way I think. Let me tell you, God knows every sin that ever existed and ever will exist. And He still chooses to love us. There's nothing that we can say that can shock God. You know that? Whatever is hidden away in your stronghold, there's nothing that you can bring to Him that's going to freak Him out. Oh man, Jan, what are you... Nah, there's nothing that you can say to freak God out. You guys know that? He's unshockable. <laughs> sometimes we have, you know, we feel like the, the God, if God, you know, like, like we feel like if, as long as we just keep it in, right here. This is how I sometimes, because when I have a strong, I feel shame. It's like, as long as I can keep it right here, God will not know. 
I just don't, I just, I give him all my praise and worship and I give him all my quiet time. I read the word, but this area of my mind, as long as it's, it's covered like this, he will never know. But healing starts to happen. Your, your, your strongholds are going to start breaking as you start letting it out. You start telling God. Sometimes you have to vent to God because the stronghold in your mind is against God. When you have a stronghold against God, what you got to do is just let him know. You got to say, God, this is what you did to me. This is, this is how I felt when this happened and you weren't there for me. Let it out. It's not going to shock him. It's not going to make him angry. He's not going to, he's not going to feel pija so. Okay, some of you guys are Korean. You guys know what that means. It's like kind of angry because you vent to him. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to take it in. He's going to listen to you. But you have to let God know. You take the transparency, like, like the transparency that you have before God has to be complete. You have strongholds in your life. You gotta just say, God, I have this stronghold. You gotta let him know. Because as you start to bring it out into the light, his, his light is gonna start shining in there. And you know what? It's gonna start bringing clarity into your life. You guys need, when you have a stronghold, the one thing that you lack in that area of your life is clarity. But what's gonna start helping you to break it down is as you let it out. Say, God, this is my stronghold. I don't know how I got it. Can you tell me? But I have, I think this way, and I don't know. I know it's not. I know it's not right. I know it might be crazy, but God, this is just this is me. And you let God know. And as you let God know, His light's going to start shining in, and He's going to start giving you clarity for that area in your life. You have you take that transparency further, and you share with a trusted friend or leader brings accountability into your life. It's not hidden. It's, it's, in a, it's not in that place of hiddenness where the stronghold has power. But you bring it to the light. And step number four, you stop agreeing with a lie. Okay, this part is not easy. I want you guys to know. You guys might think, oh, I'm just going to start thinking differently. No. This part is, this is where the warfare happens. You guys understand. When Paul said, these are the weapons of your warfare. He didn't say, these are the tools of your endeavor, or this is the tools of your, your task. No, he said, these are the weapons of your warfare to tear down strongholds. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. You're going to have to start, like, ah, and rise up, and, you know, like, use your strength, use your spiritual muscle to, to, to fight this stronghold. So this is not easy. Stop agreeing with the lie. It's not easy. But you start doing it. But not only that, you don't stop there. But you start believing in the opposite. You start believing in the opposite. Don't just tear down the stronghold, but build the truth of God upon on top of it. Okay, there's a, I, I, I listened to a podcast recently, and he was talking about, about, about strongholds, and he, he compared it to Gideon. You guys know Gideon. Okay? He had a stronghold in his life of fear. We know that he was afraid because he was inside of a, a wine press, th- like threshing wheat. You don't, you don't, you, a wine press, you make wine with a wine press. You don't hide in there to make, to get wheat. But that's what he was doing. He was hiding from the Midianites. He was in this thing hidden because he, because he was afraid. He had this, he has this, he had this immense fear upon him. And then, and the Lord comes to him and says, you're a mighty, you're a mighty man of valor. Go and you're going to fight the Midianites. And he's like, what? And then he starts venting. You read, he's like, man, Lord, you brought us out here and you, you, you're not with us. You're gonna, you know, we're gonna die. 
He has all of this, this like his mindset, his, his stronghold of fear. He just lets it out to God. God, like, like how can you do this to us? Like, like the Midianites are just, just destroying us or they're starving us out. What are we, like, I don't know why you even brought us out here in the first place. But then God takes it all in. And as he invents his mind, Gideon, and, and, and God stays true, Gideon starts to think differently. And, and there's a verse where he says, you know what? He's like, he's like, like, wait right here. I'm going to go. And he comes back and he starts to like offer this, this, this altar unto the Lord. And then he says, you are not, like, now I know that you are the Lord. And he starts to think differently. And he starts to, to transform his mind. I want us to turn to Judges. Judges 6. Judges 6, verse 25 to 27. In 22, he says, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He realizes, okay, you are God. You are who you say you are. And in verse 25, that night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal. That your father has, has, and cut down Asherah that is beside it. These are pagan gods, okay, pagan idols that the people of Israel have started to, to put up. This is in their time of, 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 uh, just being like, you know, like away from the Lord. They're, they're living these pagan lives. And it says, build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of, of the Asherah that you shall cut down. He's saying, you know what? Take this idol, remove it, and then build an altar upon this stronghold. You stop agreeing with the lie, but you follow that by believing in the opposite. You take down this stronghold, and in its place... You start building the truth of God. You start establishing the truth of God. This is, this is not easy. This is not easy. I'm telling you, but there is grace there. There is grace there. You start building. Saying, I am, you know, I am not worthless. I am not worthless. I am not worthless. And then you say, you know what? I'm a man of value. I'm, I'm, I'm paid with a price. I'm bought by the blood of Christ. I'm, God loves me. God sees value in me. That's how you start tearing down these strongholds in your lives. And lastly, you start using your weapons. For the weapon of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now the weapon of the Word of God. The Word of God is a weapon. Okay, when you read it, yes. But when you meditate upon it, when you meditate upon the Word of God, it becomes a weapon. When you start memorizing the Word of God, it becomes a weapon. When I was young, I remember, like, like I would go to VBS and they would make me memorize all these Bible verses. I was like, why are you making me memorize? But even till this day, the, me- the Bible verses that I memorized when I was a child, I use it as a weapon. Now, when I feel discouraged, I can do all things through Christ. 
And I feel like far from God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. These are things that are ingrained in my mind. And now it's a weapon against the enemy who's trying to attack my mind. The word of God, you got to use it as a weapon. You have to start memorizing. You have to start meditating on the word of God. It has to be downloaded into your system. It's like marinating meat. Okay? You got to marinate your mind in the word of God. It's got to start permeating every area. You know, when you marinate meat, you don't just put it in something for like a couple of, like, like five minutes and then start cooking. No, you, you put it in the refrigerator, you let it sit, and you let it soak in all of that delicious juices. I'm getting hungry. All of that soy sauce and the teriyaki sauce and all that good stuff starts going in and starts permeating all of the cells and every, all of the, 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 the marble and all of the fat. It starts going into all of that. That's what you got to do with the Word of God for your mind. you got to start meditating on the Word of God. It's got to start going beyond just the surface of your eyes. Your weapon is the Word of God. Second one, prayer. you got to pray. It is a powerful weapon. When you feel like you can't go on, you pray to the Lord. You pray in your spirit. Just communicate to the Lord. Say, God, I need you. God, I, even though what everything it looks like, you know, like crap right now, I still worship you, Lord. I exalt your name. Above. That connection with God is going to start injecting faith into your life. You need to be continually connected with, with our, our Savior. You need to be continually Continually connected with God. I'm running out of time. But thirdly, praise. The weapon you have is praise. There's more. I'm going to stop there. You have to praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worship Him. Get into that place and worship the Lord. Because you know what happens? It says in the Bible that He inhabits the praises of His people. When you start worshiping Him, it's not just you anymore. You know that when you start worshiping Him, it's not just you anymore. It's you and the Spirit of God. It's you in the presence of God. It's you in the throne room of God. And whatever troubles and whatever things that were, 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 were on you, you, you transcend that. And you come to a place where you're like, you know what? I have a new perspective. Faith is rising up in me. Praise through. Praise is a powerful weapon. We don't just do it just so that, you know, we, we give up. These, you know, we, we praise the Lord because of us. You know, when you praise God, it's not for Him. He doesn't have this, like, complex where you're like, oh, you got to worship me. Sing songs to me now. No. It's not Him. But we do that because, you know, like, before, you know, we, like, we, our worship changes because, why? If, if, if it was, if it really was for God, He would have just said, all right, this is how I want you to sing. These are the same songs I want you to sing for the rest of your life. Rest, rest of eternity, we'd be like, you know, like the Torah and like singing the Psalms. No, it changes because why for us? God continually changes His praise. It's not because He wants to hear something new. It's because it, 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 it brings in our spirit and in the way that we praise. It changes. It praises for you. It's for us. And as we praise Him, it, it starts to connect us with Him. That's a powerful weapon. Against the enemy, you praise the Lord. Now, I said this before, but Paul doesn't say tools, but he says weapons. And he says weapons of warfare. Tearing down these strongholds is not going to be easy. It's going to be a war. Because you're going to start, you got to change the way you think. You have to change certain values that you have. And certain 
hurts that you've had, you're going to have to start dealing with them. It is going to be a war. But ultimately, you have to know that when we, when we go to this fight, we know that, we know who the winner is. We already know who the winner is. We know that Christ has already won. We know that He has already won. Satan is under our feet. That voice talking in your face, he's already under your feet through Christ Jesus. And when I watch the NFL, and I hate, like, because like, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in Korea, the games happen on Sunday, but I have to watch them on Monday. The games happen like at 5 in the morning. And so all Monday long, I, I don't check internet at all. Because the minute I find out, it ruins the game for me. Like, ah, man. I remember one time, it was the most important game of the season. It's Peyton Manning versus uh, it's Peyton Manning versus the Colts. It's like this, this you know, I'm a Peyton Manning fan. So it's like this, this like like hit him against his old team, and it's like everybody's, you know, like 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 he's like one of the most like important games of that week. And I remember I checked my email and I said Colts something. I said no, because I had already known that the Colts had won, and it ruined it for me. But it's different in your spiritual life. The fact that you know who the winner is gives you peace. It gives you hope. And you can endure all things. You can endure it because you know who the winner is. You know that you're on the winning team. It's a, it's a fact. you got to live. When we war and when we travail and when we start going after the things of God, we have to understand we've already won. We've already won. We've already won. And the last thing that I want to leave you with is this is a process. You got to understand, all of this, it's a process. God puts us on a process. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. Sometimes it happens overnight. Sometimes you're just going to not have that in your life. But ultimately, it's called sanctification. And it's going to take us our lifetime. So don't be discouraged. Take heart. Take courage. And understand and know that He's on your side. He's equipped you to do so. You have the weapons. You have not just the weapons, but He has equipped you with everything that you need to defeat the enemy. He's already defeated. And He's saying, go and do it. Go and do it. Take dominion of your mind. Let's close our eyes. I want us to go into a time of prayer. I want to give some of you guys an opportunity to respond to the sermon. Because some of you guys are living with a stronghold in your life. Some of you guys have had strongholds for a long time. It's ingrained into your psyche. I had a stronghold. Now you guys know my testimony. Some of you guys know. When I came to Korea, I came as a defeated man kicked out of America. Don't come back ever again. I had this stronghold in my life. I had this stronghold in my mind that said, I will never find joy in Korea because it's not America. And every time that I would find something of, of, of joy, something that would make me happy, my mind would automatically revert to this stronghold which said that I can't find joy in Korea because you can't go back to America. 
I could have let, I could have lived my life, continued to live my life here in Korea with that stronghold. It would have radically changed my life. If I still had that stronghold in my life, I would be a different person right now. I would not be standing here preaching to you. I would not be married. I would not have a son. My life would be radically different. But the Lord led my heart. He led me to a place. And He said, you know what, Caleb? Tear down your stronghold. Remove it from your mind. Think differently. And as I, as I started to really take my mind and take my mind captive and I started to think differently and I went through the trauma and I went through the pain, I went through the things that, that brought me this depression. And I, as I started to really deal with it, God started to give me a new hope. He gave me a new understanding, a new mindset of what I can be. He gave me a new destiny and said, you know what? I'm, I'm planning you in this, in this country. I'm establishing you here. You're going to flourish. You're going to grow. You're going to multiply. It came from me thinking, changing my mindset, changing my mind, removing this lie that, that I embedded upon myself from one, from having this pity party about my situation and where I was at. The minute I removed that from my mind, it transformed my life. And some of you guys are in here and you guys are living with a stronghold. Whatever it is, God's saying, tear it down. Tear it down. Remove it. Think the opposite. Think differently. Remove it from your mind. And I want to give you guys the opportunity. I want you guys. We're going to sing a praise song right now. We're going to go into a time of praise. But in this time, I want you guys. To go to the Lord and say, Lord. Bring it to the surface. I want you to encounter God. And say, God, bring it to the surface. Bring it to the surface. Bring it to the surface, God. Help me. Help me to recognize these strongholds.